Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Welcome to episode 93 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. My name is Steve Pander. I'm Zachary Adamazenheimer. And I'm Slamo. As you heard in the introductions there, there is no Michael McCall. The Scot has left the country and is uh, either... Invading England. Invading England or he's uh, scouting for uh, East Fife or something like that. But we're here to here joined by Zach and Slamo to talk about the preseason that's gone on so far, the off season. Um, we haven't talked obviously since our failed season in review, where we only did half of the season. I was disappointed when well, I heard you guys canceled the rest of it. Flus and stuff like that. You can't control that, so that, that that's what happened so, there. So we can't talk about it sometime. No, we could we could talk about it some other time, I guess. We'll, I do, we'll do it in mid-March or something like that. We'll the decade review. In, yeah. Yeah. You know how I like rehashing all. <laughs> so, um, so the off-seasons are going on. I think first and foremost, there were a lot of... Ch- I think more changes than people expected. Obviously, especially the back end. What stood out to you in the, in the changes? Especially, let's talk about the departures first. The bad news. What stood out to you guys at the, at the beginning? I still am on a virtual ride. For any of Ryan McIntyre, it's really, really. As long as it's virtual, yeah. Well, we'll see if it gets anything, becomes anything more than that. But no, yeah. I mean, Andy O'Brien not coming back is like understandable. Like when you talk about age and uh, um, year of contract, wanted role, the role he wanted to play. Like it's understandable, but I think, uh, I think it's, um, it's kind of frustrating and kind of like. a bit sad, you know, from a, yeah. on a on a personal and a relational and an emotional level, and so um, yeah, he's going to be missed, and like especially if he's especially if he's retired, right? Like if this is the end for him, well, like it seems that's the case, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it, so that that kind of adds. So there wasn't that really farewell moment, and maybe we'll have to create some of those for him mm-hmm. or one of those for him. But um, so I think Andy O'Brien, I think not not coming back, coupled with with Johnny Leveron not coming back, because I think. With Andy, it was. I think we saw some of the best of Andy, and we saw uh, some of the best of him both on the field and off the field. With Johnny Leveron, uh, the best was yet to come. Yeah, I think the best was yet. I totally, yeah. And I think we've talked about it here a number of times in the past, where Johnny is. You could say this maybe is, is true of all players, really. But Johnny, you really saw the difference between Johnny filling in and Johnny having a run in the side. And I think Johnny having a run in the side was a player that. 
would definitely contribute to our side in, in 2015. And so I think, and, 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 and like his ability to hammer a ball, whether to hit a ball, whether it's on the pass or to hammer from free kicks or like if, you, if you've gone to training and, and seen like just when they're joking around at the end or whatever, yeah. and they're just putting in crosses for him and he's just smacking them on the volley consistently over and over again into the net. Um, and we never got to see some of those things uh, as much as we'd like uh, in, in the first team. And so I think those, both of those uh, in and of themselves, I think are kind of sad or for some people they're sad and, and kind of disappointing. And then I think on the other side was this uh, bringing in, in Pa Mudaka, who like, I know we joked about it. No, you <laughs> joked about it. You're wrong. I, I, have no problem. I, I, don't, I don't have the same feelings towards... I mean, I don't like the Portland Timber Football Club. Like, I don't like their club. I have a, an appreciation for their football culture and 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 some of their supporters. And uh, even Seattle, as much as I don't like the club, I have an appreciation for some of their supporters. But um, I don't have the same. For me, it's not yeah, the same. It's not the same, as, not the same as someone coming from Seattle. You were mentioning that before yeah, too, in the other totally. Ones. Yeah. So, so that's not that. That's not the issue with Ka. It's just uh, his perfor- his performance. It's all based on performance. Um, it, you, when you ask people from Portland, they're like, "Yeah, he's a great guy, and we'll miss him off the field. We won't miss it. We won't miss the inconsistency or the sporadic tackles or the cards or giving away penalties or whatever on the on the pitch." Yeah. And I think that's just, we've seen that already here. He's only been here a few weeks, and he's already this lovable, nice guy who like is going to be great for media and great with the with his teammates. Kakuda, yeah, okay, he's Kakuda's new father, whatever, all yeah. this kind of stuff, but. So all that's good, but it's still we have yet to see is will his performance be at a different level, right? Yeah. Um, I, and I'm sure it'll take like if you if you could, if you Google his name, it'll take just like that one of those goals that he scored in Hall, that crazy goal he scored. In Hall. It'll take one of those, and like no one will care. He could yeah. he could give away three penalties, and no one will care. But Slavo, we talked about Ka there, but another guy that came in and essentially is kind of the replacement for Leveron is Diego Rodriguez. Now, this is a guy that clearly Raul scouted in Uruguay. And so, what do you think about him? Do you think that, eventually, obviously, you haven't seen Rodriguez play, but do you think there's a chance that that might be an upgrade in that, in that case? An upgrade to Lebron? Lebron, yes, possibly. Well, it's hard to say when, you, I mean, well, Johnny had a better pedigree as far as going to the Olympics, yes. captaining the Honduran Olympic team, yeah. stuff like that, right? Whereas uh, Rodriguez is a virtual unknown, right? Yeah. I mean, if you watch the Olympics, you should have known who Lebron was based on mm-hmm. how Honduras surprised everyone. And, how well he, and he was the star player, right? I mean, as far as defensively goes. Uh, but from what I gather and what I've seen from Rodriguez, as he said, also a skilled player, right? Which I think, I think it's so underrated in North America for whatever reason. Like, you, you look at a guy like Varane, and he, he wouldn't, he wouldn't even play in North America they'd be like who's this skill guy he's a make him a winger or something yeah. right we don't we don't uh, value those yeah. center backs like that which is what you know pisses me off the most about Leveron was that he's just such a skill player and you know people talk about pace or whatever other things right and that's what you know, but if you if you know where you're supposed to be yeah. and yeah, you, know, exactly. you can handle it, you don't need yeah. this. And my concern with having, because what I'm hearing is that Kaw is more likely to be the starter, right? Are you hearing that? Yeah. So it's at up, this point, it's close. It's up in the air. It's, it's, it's more experience that, with Kaw. Yeah. So my concern is having two like overly aggressive center backs pushing up forward and impacting the back line and and you know draining goals, yeah. right? Now, a question to both of you guys about this. Now, 
the you know the center back position obviously is very crucial and you need a lot of chemistry with Alstead and everything. Looking back from this year's camp to last year's camp, the only center back that's still here is Christian Dean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, there basically have been Waston showed up halfway through the season. Luckily for that, and then you have three changes, basically three new guys in there. Is that going to be an issue initially? Oh yeah, for sure. It, it'll be an issue, and it'll be like as far as fans go. First off, I you know I hate to say this, but I think we're going to lose opening day. You know, honestly, I do, and I think that you know if the first few games we give up three five goals you know there's going to be a bit of uh fandomonium uh, negative impact there right how people overreact to certain things it'll be get rid of Ostad, bring back night and for pete's sakes or something right you must enjoy the fact that he scored uh, yeah. and, and this first one well both of them really were weak finishes yeah. right he you know i mean it he was, would like to have those back yeah absolutely but you know but i think that's more People will react to that, and then that energy is not good to have around a club, right? So that that I guess worries me. I, I think this the whole center back, like I, I think when these transactions were happening and it was coming out that, that Johnny and Andy were coming back, and then uh, these these were the guys who were coming in, and they were kind of known. There was that like, oh no, we went from a position of strength to a position of weakness. Uh, I think like I'm slowly like being like, okay, this this is I think going to be okay. I just it is going to be different. I also I I mean I'm also going to miss Carlisle Mitchell. I know like he he had moments where that weren't great. Um, you know he thought David David Usid was going to clatter into him, and so yeah. he kind of makes a motion and he gives away a handball. But like I think last like last year you felt you felt no worry. Like we could have two three suspensions or injuries, and like we're gonna have guys who like been here. We know they know each other. They know how they're gonna play. You yeah. felt kind of com- you felt kind of comfortable and. Um, so going into this, it's like, yeah, that whole idea of, of how tight that line is going to be, which then also means like, one of the other questions about that, does that then impact how much first team minutes like Sam will get? Yeah. You know, because you, you want a Jordan Harvey who's more experienced. You want someone to help bring some stability and leadership to that, to that back and continuity to that back line. And well, uh, well, also, how does, how do, uh, Harvey and Beta Shore react to if, mm-hmm. if we end up with Waston and Kaw playing the middle and pushing up too high? Cause yeah. they will. They both are that type of player, which is fine if you have Andy O'Brien. When Waston was up high, as long as someone's below him, right? There was the one goal, uh, where Watson came running up. Was that the Dallas? It was a playoff game. Yeah. 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 Where he oh, got Brian. caught. Yeah. yeah. One, one of them got caught, right? Yeah. yeah. But, you know, if we're running into those situations, do Harvey and Betashore start holding back and you end up with that, you know, Flat England line. national yeah. team with four guys standing at the half line watching the game for uh, 40 minutes, right? Yeah. So that concerns me as well. So uh, a couple other guys that left... Um, well, one other guy, major guy that left that really, I, I still don't think they found a replacement yet for him. They have a couple of trials. We'll talk about that later. Uh, Sebastian Fernandez. Uh, maybe they're assuming that Kukuda Mane can take that step and replace him in the starting 11. What's your guys' thoughts on the Fernandez uh, and not uh, really I having him? Or Nico. Nico. But I think they played him like in the this. middle. Well, let's talk about that. The preseason match itself. We saw had a couple of changes where we had, um, Pedro Morales playing in yeah. deep, and then you had uh, Nico playing up top. Yeah. Uh, Marco played in front of Pedro when they played, but then you had Nico play up top too, and he was 
rave reviews, and especially with his uh, another new edition, Octavio Rivero, who scored both goals. Let's not get like too. No, I'm crazy, just saying. Crazy. It's just, this, uh, this is initial. Yeah, this is all initial stuff. Yeah, this is one match with two separate lineups and two halves with yeah. even some. And we had that. the like the New England second half was the you know USL Pro Blend. Uh, you know, like a lot of those guys won't ever see MLS minutes, right? So he's not going. You're going to keep on harping on poor Brad. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's not. He did. He get. Well, he did play. He's he gave up two goals. Yeah. In, yeah, yeah, that's right. No, no, last season, oh, last season. regular season. Yeah, but you know he's he's not going to play, and uh, you know I don't think it's he wasn't going up against the top line. But that said, my first reaction of watching the highlights of that game made me think of uh, Devile. Right, you've got a forward like that who makes those runs because mm-hmm. he made like six runs yeah. that were like. Flat out awesome. And timing and, and runs, everything was perfect. It doesn't perfect. matter if it's a pylon or if it's no. like a run. It's the run. run it's right? the run. Yeah. It's the recognizing where the when you see yeah. that, especially the second goal, when you see the yeah. ball come to to, to Nico, he ne- he recognizes this is a run I can make. Yeah. And there's space for it, and there's yeah. the situation is on, and whether or not the ball is going to get there or not, all the time, like yeah. he makes that run. Yeah. The second goal, especially because that was the first one that I saw, was the highlight of the two goals, and then I saw the extended highlights, and and it was like, yeah, he made like about six runs that were awesome so when you look at how we talk about north america doesn't appreciate those skill center backs well that's true around mls yeah. so when you've got a guy like DeBio who can just simply make good runs and center backs tend to be in mls not the quality that you see around the world because we have a different standard right then he, he's got an opportunity like he looks like a guy who can score mls goals right? yeah he like the thing is about him was that he i think his timing was perfect yeah, on exactly. a lot of them and, the, and uh even the second goal I, I know it seems like an easy thing to round the keeper yeah. But how many Whitecaps uh, strikers have you seen that being able to do that? And that's something that, you know, you have a chance to do when you make those runs. Yeah. Corey Herzog. Big <laughs> <laughs> yeah. blast from the past. But the thing, so with the camera angle on that second goal in the highlights of the camera angle, he makes that first kind of half run and yells for the ball and then realizes once the center back takes out step forward, then he yells again and makes the quick run, right? And then Nico hits him over the top. So he changed that run, right? And that's the recognition that like Maddox doesn't have, right? What, what are your guys' thoughts on Pedro Morales playing as a deep line playmaker? Um, let's say next to a Lava oh, or Kofi. Do you think? Oh, yeah. And uh, Miss, would, would you prefer that or would you prefer Lava and Kofi and uh, Morales up top? I, would I, I, I prefer we do well. So, yeah, the, uh, whatever it takes. Left back. Left back. If he gets the ball with space in front of him, play him at left back, right? I don't yeah. care. You build him into the offense where he's going to have space in front of him and he's going to be awesome. Right? Do you think they should go try a 4 4 2 if, if, the, like, if this. Not with him low lying. No, 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 not that. That's a low. Because then you have Lava as that, yeah, that yeah, last guy yeah. and he'd be on one of the sides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you're doing a four-two-three-one, but it I don't works. think you can have uh, like I I'm not sure really with the way we're set up right now. With we've already talked about the center backs, you can't have Pedro be in the bottom of a diamond. No, yeah, no, 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 no that's no, definitely no. not the case. Yeah, no, not a, not a Pirlo. Where sometimes Pirlo is there by himself. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, no. yeah no. Even though, even I think even if he plays, the but line, he's going to be moving up. <laughs> You'll have to read the South Side to get that joke. Side, yeah. um, one other change. Um, uh, it's actually, we're recording on Thursday. It's his birthday today. Bryce Alderson left, mm-hmm. uh, but they did sign uh, Ben McKendry, another Renzi guy who went through New Mexico. Yeah. Uh, you guys' thoughts on that switch up? Um, 
either Bryce or Ben coming in. I think it's. I think it's. We were talking about it before. It's just sad to see Bryce go, and it's bad without to see without yeah. really developing. And so you think, yeah, had we been able to be more proactive earlier and yeah. have a USL Pro setup, like I mean, he did great in PDL. Yeah, he's the same. He's the same player he was when he was sixteen, right? That shouldn't be the case five years later. Yeah, right. Yeah. So had he had he been able to go through from residency those PDL and then right into a USL Pro? Yeah. You think it would, have, it would have made a big difference? The thing is, he had that one year where he was completely wasted, injured, where he was injured yeah, and everything yeah, like that. Yeah. That was hurt. But you guys thought some Ben McKendry and his, his rise. You know, he was he was he was not well regarded. He so was kind of lower back, regarded. Think back, remember four like four years ago when we did the first uh, rank in the youth? Right, yeah. He was like. 10th no, or no, something. No. Right? I think he was 7th or 8th. He was in the 7th or 8th. Like he was that afterthought. Yeah, he but was. But throughout that time, you watch, like he just kept at it and kept playing and you could just watch the skill come and watch the change of his game and the confidence coming. And it didn't matter because he went, he played, like who did he play with? Played with Morfa, played with Rowley. Yeah. Played, like he had a lot of center back, um, center, center mid. mids he played with. Alderson he played with Alderson. Yeah. yeah, so he did, he went through a lot of, uh, uh, changes throughout uh, his youth career and then going into NCAA and just the improvement's been constant. So I know we're probably talking about Alan later, but when Alan was talking about uh, Jovan Blagojevic and it's the same sort of thing where there's no ceiling, right? Because he's gotten better every step of the way, right? And the thing is talking about Alan is Alan was the one, Ben was actually initially going to go to SFU. Mm-hmm. Alan mm-hmm. found him a spot in New Mexico oh, with really? his connection. So Alan has been helping, obviously, the Whitecaps with their players for more than just this couple, last couple of years. One last thing we'll talk about, about the preseason camp so far, is the trialists that were announced once uh, they got to Arizona. I know Khalif Al-Assan is going to be, I know not as a source spot as a result, but out of the two there, uh, we'll talk about them first. Al-Assan and Dean Dean. Dane Richards, sorry. Which one of those two do you think might have that shot at that open spot? Dane's Dude. way more refined, right? Yeah, but Dane, I can't see. I can't see. I mean, I can't see them bringing in Dane to be a part of the first. Do you think he's, I think he's, he's, he's here to he's here to train and train? Yeah, yeah. Totally. No. So I think I think um, has, how do you say his name? Alasana. Alif. I think he. I I think Ali. I think he could be a, a part of our depth or whatever, but I think if we're bringing him to be like a starter, I'd be a little bit concerned. Because well, I, I think Portland, like part of the reason why he's not still important is he wasn't consistent enough, right? Yeah. Like I think he scored some crazy goals yeah. for them, and, and, and you know, but I, I just don't think uh, I don't think that I don't think that he, they can bring him in to be someone who's going to contribute a major amount of time, yeah. which is a similar feeling to how people felt when Kyle was signed. Like, yeah. okay, fine if he's a mentor, background kind of whatever. You know, but um, yeah, the hospital. <laughs> um, um, Earnshaw, I think Earnshaw. The, that, that that I could see that. I could see I, that feeling. I'm I'm thinking uh, as we talked about it before last week. Uh, Maddox went to that uh, trial first. He went to England mm-hmm. just to set up the Sweden one. Do you think they brought in Earnshaw in case that Swedish team does decide to to you know take a chance at Maddox and bring him in? Who will take him over? Because because the Swedish guy was saying he's gonna take they're gonna take their time and keep looking at him uh, during the preseason because they, they they know he's still you know out there. Are you saying Earnshaw only signs with us if we subtract? If Maddox goes because of the 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 money thing the money because can they afford Earnshaw because Earnshaw well, well, he's he's not not 
I don't know, like a hundred and something. It wasn't he's that he's much. gonna be six figures at yeah. least, and low maybe low six figures. But um, do you think that's? Do you think? Do you think there's space for Urshaw if Maddox stays? I, I don't think they're related. You I, I, I didn't either. No. No, I mean, I, 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 I've heard lots of people say that, but yeah. I don't necessarily think they are. I, th- I could see Darren staying and them bringing in Urshaw. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Do you think you just need the depth for the CCL? There's and lots of stuff? games coming. Yeah, yeah right. And I, he's so he's like a you need like an experience guy. Miller yeah. teacher. Yeah. Like he's a quality player. We can laugh at him for his TFC days or whatever all we want, but as far as his career goes, he's a solid. He didn't have too bad a strike rate even at TFC. I don't. Yeah. Know. I can't remember the, the stats and everything. But he was early in score. I think. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But he With was like a lot of diving and stuff too. Well, it's, yeah, penalties. lots of penalties. Yeah. yeah. But um, no, I, I could see Earnshaw being being in this team. Like, I, I mean, I might not do cartwheels about that move, but like, yeah, I, I could see it being like a positive having that experienced striker in the side that mm-hmm. we're we've been lacking since Kenny left. Farrell's oh. pretty young too, right? He's a young DP. So oh yeah, he's a, like you know, we're the are we the second youngest team in the league? The younger, youngest? maybe Columbus might be younger or something yeah, like that. Columbus is pretty one young of the too, top yeah. two young yeah. teams anyway, right? Definitely. So that's our thoughts on the preseason so far and the, the additions and the departures that the Whitecaps have gone through. One of the guys that oh, yeah. may not be classified as a new addition, but, but like kind of feels like because his contract was up and there was rumors that he was going to go back to Europe, but now he has signed, he will play with the Whitecaps this year, is Caleb Clark, a homegrown residency player. Michael had a chance last week uh, during training to catch up with him. Uh, you've seen the article posted online. Uh, so you can check it out there, but here's the audio version. So take a listen. Uh, so Caleb, just how does it feel kind of coming back now to the Whitecaps, having been away last year over in Germany? Oh, good, good. It was a great experience. I uh, got to play a lot of games and uh, yeah, it was, it was really good. got to play the games that I, I couldn't play here, but um, yeah, after the injury, it's just great to be back and back on the field, so for sure. I, I think like when you resigned, it surprised a lot of people because we thought you'd probably want to kind of maybe explore Europe a bit more. Mm-hmm. What was behind your decision to resign? I was just really happy with how the club has changed um, over the past couple of years. And uh, I think that the team spirit and stuff since I've been back is a lot better than when I left. So I thought that I'd um, s- stick around and try to try to make my spot in the first team. Excellent. Now the, the USL Pro aspect of it, did that play a big part in making you want to, to kind of come back here? Because you know... If you're not in the MLS team, you, you've got that to definitely get to some honest, minutes. I, I, at first, I didn't, I didn't even know oh, okay. um, as before I made kind of my decision. But um, obviously, that helps because it's more games, and maybe it was something that was lacking uh, last year that I, the younger guys weren't able to to have to have those games. So it's good to to get it now. So I think that will be a good thing. Now, how did you you find the whole experience of playing in Germany? Carl Robinson's talked about the guys who went on training stints in the, in the UK in, in December and how they've come back and they've they kind of noticed that to play in Europe and at that next level 
it's a big jump from MLS. Did, did you kind of find that as well? Did yeah, you find yeah. the division um, that you were in, was it kind of pretty much the same? Um, especially at the start, um, obviously, this is a really physical, athletic league, and there it's, it's a lot more technical, tactical, um, and it, it's, a, it's quicker, so you have to get used to that. And Obviously, it took a little bit to get used to, and training with the first team in, in, in Augsburg, it was even quicker, so... Uh, yeah, it took a while to get used to, but when I did, it was it was great, and I liked it a lot. Now, the the injury you had, what exactly happened there? Um, it was it was crazy. It was just the end of the season, the actually the last training before the last game of the season, and uh, just doing some shooting at the end of training, and I kind of felt a rip uh, as I was doing a shot and. Uh, started to feel better after a couple of days. I was like, oh, maybe I'll get into the last game. And I uh, got the MRI back and my, uh, the tendon that connects your, your quad muscle to your hip, uh, it had completely ripped off. So I um, had to get surgery right away. And uh, so I was going to have it there, but I flew back. I was able to get it um, the day after I came back. So I got it here. And yeah, since then, I've been trying to get back. So. It's a now, long process, but last season obviously there's lots of scoring woes here. Uh, what do you feel that you can now offer the, the club in, in that department, and what do you feel you need to work on in your game now to, to get a run in the MLS team? Um, I feel that um, one of my strengths is finishing. I scored lots of goals there, and hopefully I can bring that here. And um, yeah, to get into the first team, obviously I've got to get fit and sharp again first and then from there just kind of focus on demanding the ball and um, being strong being a leader up front and scoring goals of course that will that will get me in there I'm sure and what what your kind of hopes and aspirations for this season Uh, definitely to play in MLS games um, and try to get get into a regular starting spot coming off the bench that kind of thing um, and yeah, I really help the team score goals, and that's what I do. So hopefully, I can do that for the team. Great, thanks for watching. Yeah. Good luck with everything. Great oh, to see you yes. back. Yeah. Thanks, Caleb. So that was Caleb Clark of Vancouver Whitecaps, recently re-signed. Zach, your initial thoughts on Caleb Clark coming back? Yeah, I'm stoked. Just so excited to see uh, him come back. Saw him, we saw him score so many goals for the residency in so many different ways. Caleb Clark, superstar. superstar. How many goals has he scored so far? So, um, I mean, you see him starting the season uh, playing a lot of USL Pro, and I think as he, if he's able to express himself in, in, in scoring a lot of goals as he as he's done at the various levels, then he, his performances will demand time in the first team. And I think Rob will give it to him. So that's I'm exciting to hopefully see that play out. Sam? Yeah, oh, I, I agree. Can't say anything different or more. I think that's that's what will happen. And I think he'll, he, he will earn it. I think he'll score uh, a bag full of goals and he'll get some some quality minutes in MLS. And I think his, his, his style suits what Rubble wants out of the Central yeah. 4 too, um, about holding up play, getting other people into the game and stuff uh, yeah. like that. Well, I think his style is even uh, harder to define because I think he's, as a youngster, he was quite well-rounded, right? Yeah. As far as making runs, playing hold up, you know, t- 
taking crosses or not taking crosses, receiving crosses, you know. But I think uh, the um, the like if you look at his stats uh, from Germany when he played there, I think he, he didn't score too many goals. He scored enough goals, but his assists were very high, so that showed that he was mm-hmm. getting his yeah. other teammates involved in there. Yeah, and if you yeah if you watch some of the highlights, playing was, back to goal. Yeah you, yeah, you got to see him be involved in the build up to a lot of goals, which yeah. was great because he what he did do that in residency, but not as much. He was no, very much yeah. the sharp end of well, the stick. Well, he did for with residency. Ben. Uh, Ben Ten for yeah, because yeah. Ben Ten scored a lot of goals that were That's laid true. off plays or by him. Yeah, yeah. He, he he did a he's, he's a good all around striker I think and I think he'll do well this year. You were talking about him and USL Pro. Let's talk about uh, the recent appointment of Alan Koch, uh, former SFU coach, to that head position. At, you you are an SFU alum uh, or married fan. to one. You follow the program quite a bit. Yeah. Slamo, what do you think of this appointment? What do you think? Uh, I think it's awesome. It's right after they, I can't remember who retweeted, but I got a thing on my phone after he was signed and it was a retweet of a tweet I made like February 2014 or something that said <laughs> Alan Koch for USL Pro Whitecaps something <laughs> like that right so I, you know I've been going to games I don't know six seven years now I've been going to games and sometimes Slamo even goes to the game while we're painting TIFO I do yes <laughs> I do but so uh, you know what you're going to see is you're going to see a team that's committed to every tackle. Yeah. You're going to see a team that's going to score on set pieces because it's all about conviction, right? That's his big his big word, right? Is conviction. So you got to be committed to every play. You're going to see a team that's playing fast, right? And you're going to see a team that never has two bad halves in a row, right? Because he won't allow it. So I think I think he's an awesome coach, and and for me. It was such a natural fit with Robo as well because of the same SFU played like Robo, right? You know, you could see that style, right? So I, I'm stoked. I'm so happy for uh, Alan, and I think that's a fantastic opportunity. Yeah, I mean, I didn't watch. I only watched like a couple, two, three, four games up at SFU with you guys and, and you and and and, and Goff and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, SFU has so this program where you can. You can see the the progression. You can see the development. You can see, um, if you can use the word professionalism of, of how they do things, is mm-hmm. pretty awesome. And uh, I think I think one of the things I think about when I think about SFU's and Alan's time there is they were really intentional about things. Yeah. So which goes with your comment about conviction. Like I think that he does things with with intention. So I think that'll be really. Really awesome, and and yeah, as you listen to him speak in the interviews and stuff, um, and, and read articles, you you get the sense of here's this person who really wanted to be a part of the club and wanted to take this type of step at this time, and was willing to give up a lot to to do that, um, to kind of step away from this kind of awesome thing that he had basically built, and so he's wanting to build something else, and and so I'm really excited to see how he's going to do that, and. I think there's good synergy between him and, and Robbo and the rest of the coaching staff, which I think is really, really yeah. key. And you're talking about a, a guy who's done recruiting all over mm-hmm. Europe and Africa. And, yeah. You know, like he's, he's got this connection. He's got connections. Well, right? I think he's yeah. got a good eye for talent yeah. um, recruiting-wise. Um, I think that's going to also help them because when he's playing against maybe opponents, he'll be able to spot somebody that's interesting and maybe ready for the first team action yeah. with a white cap. So that's important. And I think he's good at developing. Obviously, we've talked about with guys like Blagojevic, who, who's recently drafted, yeah. that they get better and better every year as they go on. Rowley. Rowley. 
and um, other players too. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Alex in USL Pro next year along mm-hmm. with Ryan Dillon, right? You would yeah, be some guys surprised like that. to see a couple of those guys take that step. Now, and then right? the and the final thing is, like you said, he plays inter- entertaining style of game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no it is all... Yeah. No, I, obviously, he's going to have to adjust because there's not unlimited substitutions like in, in NCAA, but... Um, rolling, rolling, so it's not rolling sorry, rolling, but there's, it's still unlimited as well. You can bring people back on and off all he wants, but he's going to adjust to that because obviously yeah. he can't run the yeah. team total, uh, you know, overdrive. They're going to have to do it, but I'm sure he'll adjust to that. He's coached other places as well where there wasn't that option. Yeah. And the thing too is, you know, he's going to be a supporter of supporters. Yes. Right? Like totally. he's tried a lot of different things at SFU to get people going and he, you know talking about playing matches at Swangard or how do we get people out there right yeah. obviously he was limited by you know where they could sell alcohol and that sort of stuff right you know but I mean he's somebody who's who understands that supporters are a big part of the of the experience right yeah yeah, yeah I, I think in, in that he's a, he's a quality guy like he's yeah. he's a quality, quality up, up front yeah. stand-up kind of guy so Excited, excited about yeah. that and excited about the schedule coming out. Yeah, and obviously he knows who he's going to play So because the schedule just came out. What are you guys... Obviously they're playing all the games at UBC. Um, not too many overlaps uh, where it comes to a Saturday and you know games on the same day. There's quite a few one game and the game next day somewhere else. Uh, what are you guys' over thoughts, uh, overall thoughts on the schedule and where, where, what interests you? Maybe a away trip or maybe who's coming in? I, I mean, as I went through this, the schedule and compared to the first team schedule and yeah, saw what could, could work, I think I am considering, I'm not for sure, but I, I'm hoping to maybe do the San Jose Salt Lake away for the first team. And so between those two games, you have Orange County Blues away and Sacramento away. So it's like four games in like eight days that could be done, um, which would be a pretty exciting yeah, and awesome. That'd be an epic road trip for sure. Yeah, with with uh, six six days of vacation, right? Yeah, so that's pretty awesome. Totally, your vacation bookings as well <laughs> in California. Yeah. And there's a obviously they're opening the season against TFC two, which is just like the first team. Which again, I'm, I'm going to say it again. I I can't stand when we have to play a, a, a natural rival. In the opening game, that that's a game you could sell it against anybody for the Whitecaps. So, there was no need to do that. You so, can schedule that for later. In the game. I I am of that. I'm of that philosophy. Uh, I've talked to people though who are involved in making those decisions or giving influence to those decisions, and they've said f- selling out the first match is not as easy as you think. Mm-hmm. And they they would they even, did against New York last year. No, I know, but they would say New York that New York New York for them is a draw. For, uh, so the, the new tier on every uh, no, well, but maybe not everybody. Knew no, that, but just but, New York. Like yeah, the fact okay. that New York was a draw. So because we've said this over and over to as we have meetings with the front office, we've said please, like, can we put like get Columbus here opening day? Like it doesn't matter, and they're like, no, we need it to be a draw to get it. And, and it's it's also about not just that game; it's also about building momentum. And yeah. so. We have an incredible record, which Slamo says is going to end on opening day. But we have an incredible record on opening days, and, 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 it, and it and it's like uh, following that the white cap wave, if you will, yeah. like because then people come because they come. Yeah, it's been great, and then they keep coming back. So, I, I mean, for WFC two, I don't know how much that'll, I don't know how much that's going to be play a role, but in terms of like you know, people coming and being like, oh, this is uh, we're playing Toronto, I got to be there, it's going to be great and whatever, and then. Yeah, I guess we play Seattle is in the second game a week later, so maybe that will be will help things, I guess. But those first couple home games, but to make them meaningful, but 
We'll see. I think. I mean, I think this is they're, they're, str- they're struggling to sell tickets. It feels it's like. going to be a slow build for this W. They, I don't. I, I don't think they should expect to sell too many that right off the bat because you know you're not even selling out your first team. Yeah. So let's you know take it easy, and that's why I guess they're having these open trials to see who who they can get for spots on because they, obviously they don't want to spend too much money but, on the on the depth players. I mean, well, I know. So I, I wish they. I wish it's a one year lease in right. Is it one year? I'm not UBC? sure about that. If they UBC? Yeah. I don't know because they have. This I'm part- sure there's an out clause if they need to. Yeah, there's a partner. Yeah, they're in the midst of this huge partnership with them, right? So who knows? But I, I think the, the ticket sales. I want to gather. No one has said this to me, but like they're not going as well as they would like. But I, I think this is the kind of thing where, and I don't even know where my own heart is fully at in it. it this is the kind of thing where you can make these games where you want to be. I know geography yeah. sucks. I know. <sighs> A lot of people are like, oh, I don't like where it is. And that's legitimate. I don't yeah. like there's, I have no issues with that concern. I like, I, you know, the Maple Bridge boys, I've heard you guys say like, there's no way I'm, I'm ever going to no. go to a game because of geography. And I respect that. And I, yeah. I totally understand that. But I think that really this is an opportunity. Maybe we've said this before on the show, but this is an opportunity for like trying things in terms of being as supporters. We can try some things out. We can yeah. do some things. We can probably do some things maybe we can't do in an MLS match. And, and it, it, it almost be what you make it to be. Yeah. And so I think there's great opportunity. And I don't know if that's all going to play out in, in year one, but I think there's some, some exciting opportunities that come with this kind of, this kind of thing. And as you say, the, the, they are where they are and they'll be there for as long as they want to or feel like they should be. Yeah. But I think there, there might be an openness to going other places in a year or two or three or whatever. What what are you guys' thoughts on uh, the notion of development versus winning in USL Pro? Is it is it all one way, or do you think it's kind of correlated because you need to develop a winning style, well, I think a winning attitude? Being in Vancouver, and I think you look at the Giants for that answer, right? So the Giants win, they sell tickets. The Giants don't win, regardless of whether they're making NHL players or not, they're not drawing, right? And I think the same is true. You know, I don't like to compare the two sports generally, but I think when you're talking about fan bases, you kind of can. I think for Vancouver, it's almost yeah. any sport you're talking about when you're talking about yeah. winning and people try. I think that's true for any city. Not every no, city. I know. Well, look, you know, at Mont- just, look at Montreal. Look at what Joey Saputo said this week about Montreal. Yeah. Right? About how, well, I, how, I, how, I, how I, they I, just I, say if we win, people will come back. No, I think even if they win, I don't think Montreal it sells out too much for football. But they haven't really won yet. So yeah. Gotta, well, they made the playoffs that first year. Yeah, but to the, to the question, I think that if they want the fans, they need to focus on winning, right? If they want... You know, the supporters that show up and yell and scream, it doesn't matter because you will do that for development, right? To see our own players become better and end up in the first team, hopefully, right? I think, I think this has, this goes to, I think one of the issues that you talk a lot about on, on the podcast, Slamo, is that it has to do with culture, right? Yeah. And so in one sense, we do have this, we do have a bit of a culture of winning and it's those other things that are missing from the culture. So I, I think that. This has an opportunity to contribute to both those things, like developing the, the the bigger culture, which needs, which a part of that is development, but part of that is uh, investing in in players um, progressing, and and we have the the chance to also further our the winning the winning culture that's some you could say at least somewhat exists with the history of our club, or mm-hmm. I mean in the history it really exists, but in in the recent history it's maybe not as prominent, aside from the Cascadia Cup. <laughs> 
So that's uh, that's our thoughts on you, uh, the USL Pro and the WFC2 or the Thunder Caps, if that's going to be the name or not. If people are going to call that. I'm not sure about that. Um, I'm sure there'll be a two-stick or a railing <laughs> banner. But Michael had a chance that when uh, the announcement of Allen to the head spot, uh, Michael was there to get, and he had a exclusive one-on-one with Allen. And they talked about what he's looking forward and what he's looking to do with WFC2. When I spoke to you before, we talked about whether you wanted to kind of go into the pro ranks and you said mm-hmm. it would have to be the right opportunity. Mm-hmm. What was it about this that you felt was that right opportunity? Um, I have a lot of respect for the club. I have a lot of respect for the people that work for the club. Um, I definitely have a very similar philosophy to Robbo. And to move to the pro ranks if you don't actually have to leave home or my adopted home uh, is, is obviously a lot easier. Uh, I've had other opportunities to to go away and go live in a different country and all that type of stuff and those weren't the right fit I, I feel very passionate and very loyal to this SFU program but this was this was too good to pass by now you talk about the same philosophy as Robbo mm-hmm. you're, you're kind of a student of the game I've bumped into you at local games VSML uh, Provincial Cup Robbo's like that as well he watches a lot of football yeah. did the two of you kind of just really bond right away talking about the game yeah I think so I think we're just we're people that are very passionate about the game we love the game we can talk very easily about the game uh, and then obviously having done some work with him I was here last summer watching them train all the time uh, I guess he was picking my brain I was picking his brain uh, and then going through the whole draft process in terms of scouting players assessing players uh, seeing what he values and what I value I, I think we can see him on a very very similar page uh, and was that like a key thing for it to, was that like, kind of like a trial for you just to see if the players you were identifying with the kind yeah, of guys I, that you wanted I think definitely it's uh, you know players go on trial but coaches go on trial too sometimes and it's sometimes tough to, to bring a coach in on trial when we're all scattered all over the globe but I was here um, came in worked with them and as much as they were looking at me I was looking to see what they were doing too uh, and I'm very, very impressed with how things are set and, and excited to be part of it. Now, obviously, it's a big wrench to, to leave SFU. You've been there mm-hmm. since 2008, yeah. I think it was. Mm-hmm. Did, did you really have to weigh it up, or was this like a no-brainer? This was the, like the opportunity that you wanted uh, to have? I had to weigh it up, De- definitely. Uh, this is a great opportunity, and I'm excited to be here. That's why I'm here. Um, but uh, we've done a lot at, at SFU. We've built something. I think we've put a fantastic infrastructure in place. I think we're... Safe to say, we're leaving it in a much better place than we than we got it. Um, so it wasn't easy to just give up your baby, uh, essentially. But the timing was right. It's we've done everything there other than win the national championship, and I uh, I wish them nothing but to go win the national championship. I think we're we're leaving behind a very very good team at SFU. The tools are in place, a good group of guys that are willing to work hard. Uh, so hopefully they can achieve that goal. Um, but the timing was right for me now. And there must kind of be a, a bit of tinge of sadness as well, because just the way that last season went. Mm-hmm. Started off so good in pre-season, and then yeah. I don't know what happened. It started the team just didn't seem to gel, and then you kind of hit the ground run towards the end, but then just fell short. What do you think happened last year? Yeah, I think for us, a few fans, I think a bit of uh, the challenges we had, uh, and I can tell you exactly what they were. Justus Hogback, we brought him from Sweden, is a fantastic striker. Uh, only played in two games. Uh, he got injured, and he's got a medical redshirt year, so he'll be a freshman again this year. Right. Uh, if we had him, that's another 10 to 15 goals in a season. That would be a huge difference. Uh, we also had Adam Jones from Metro Ford, and then we had Pascal Schmidt, who came over from the Stuttgart Kickers, that both had to, under NCAA rules, spend a year of residency. 
um, so they weren't able to play. If we had those three players, you're looking at a Final Four team that can challenge to win it all. Those guys now will be eligible for the next season. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's tough to leave a good group because that's a very, very good group. And just having trained with them the last few weeks, um, the nucleus is there. Um, but this opportunity wasn't going to come up every year. And so when it came up, I had to take it. And you, you obviously had a, a key role to play in drafting Jovan. Um, mm. How much of an impact do you think he can make on this team? When, when I spoke to him, he obviously didn't know if you were going to be the coach or not, but he, mm. he was excited by that prospect mm. just because you know his game. And he, he put down like what you do, that you developed his game more than any other coach that he did. Do you mm. see that he's still got more potential to go to that next stage now? I think so. He's a guy that doesn't have a... There's no ceiling on his game. Uh, we didn't bring him in straight out of high school because he wasn't quite ready. We watched him uh, and he showed signs that he could do it and literally every single year he's got better. And this is why I really promoted him to the Whitecaps is that I think he can come in here and he can step up and do even better. And the sky's the limit for him. It's great for him to start in the USL Pro. Let's see how he does. Uh, and that goes for every player. You come in, you get an opportunity and take it. Uh, but he is one of those guys that uh, he certainly hasn't peaked to reach the ceiling by any means. Um, so I'm looking forward to working with him. Yeah, it'll be nice, uh, nice to have a familiar face at training. How much input are you going to have with the players on your squad? Does Robo and kind of the other management have the ultimate decision, or if there's a player or players that you specifically want to bring in, are you going to be able to do that? I think it'll really by uh, by committee is how we'll do it. Um, obviously, Robo has he's the manager of the club, so he has full say on, on all the players. But we'll all work on it together. We'll identify players together. We'll discuss them and make sure that we all agree that these are the right players to bring in because there has to be a plan for the guys. There's no point in me just saying I'm going to bring a guy in, and if he doesn't fit into Robo's plan, that makes no sense. Um, what, what would you see like how would you like to be remembered at SFU what would you like to see your legacy as being oh that's a tough question um, I'm a proud alumni I got my undergrad degree there uh, I played there I had a great playing career I was an assistant coach there uh, I was a head coach there um, I have a bit of SFU in my blood to be honest it's quite tough to stand and see that thunder, thunder, yeah, thunder that, what, that is it a thunder mind. duck or what is it yeah. <laughs> Stand, standing over there um <laughs> No, I'm a proud SFU alumni, uh, and it's it's sad to, to leave, to be honest. I, I had a moment when I, before I pushed the send button with my resignation letter, um, but we've achieved a lot. I'm very proud of the work that we did, uh, and I wish them nothing but the best. Your playing style at SFU, it was very attack-minded. Do you see yourself bringing that to, to this role as well? Yeah, I think so. I think we're going to be a very attack-minded team, which is what the first team are too. I think we'll play possession football, but definitely focus on the outcome go forward and see if we can score some goals. Of course, we'll play organized football too at the same time, uh, mesh it, but there is a club philosophy. Uh, I fully support that philosophy. I buy into it and we'll go out and do, the, do exactly that. And like we've talked before about how this was exactly what was needed in BC soccer, that kind of missing link, not just for the residency guys and the Whitecaps guys, but also the local guys to, to have a chance now to do it. So you're going to have open trials. What would your message be to those guys they maybe haven't come through the residency program but do have the potential to play at a higher level? I think probably one of the biggest complaints locally in our local football community is people saying there haven't been opportunities. Uh, well, here is that opportunity. The, the club are investing in it. Uh, they're essentially open tryouts. They need to sign up, obviously, and come show what they can do. But this is your chance. Uh, if you want to be part of it and you think you have the ability, show up and come show us what you've got. Um, opportunities like this don't present themselves all the time. Uh, so it's nice to have that opportunity here in Vancouver. And it's going to be great to see some of the local guys show up and people travel from across the country to, to see what they can do. Uh, I'm excited to assess them. We'll give them honest feedback and, and hopefully we can make something out of somebody. Great. Thanks so much for your time, Alan, and congratulations on your new job. Appreciate it. Thank you.
So that was Alan Koch uh, speaking to Michael about what he's looking forward to next year, coaching the USL Pro team. So in this uh, third segment, we're kind of going to keep this open and talk about other things other than the Whitecaps. One of the things you guys wanted to really talk about, um, it happened a little while ago, but it's still recent because it kind of hurt so much because everybody had high expectations. But the Canadian men's under-20 team, they actually kind of, let's be honest, they crashed and burned in qualifications. Uh, Slamo, your thoughts of what happened there? and was it? Uh, let, let's talk about some of the things people have talked about. Is it the development has gone wrong still with the Canada? Is it the team just had a bad tournament and, uh, collectively, as a whole bunch of them? Did the coaches let them down with their, some of their choices? Or is there something else? Like, you know, well, one thing we should mention is two players that were would have been probably their t- top two attacking players, Fraser Aird and um, Dylan Carrero from uh, playing in Scotland, they weren't made available by their club teams. What out of those things do you think strikes you know to what happened to the team i think it's a hard it's a it's a tough thing to pinpoint and i wonder like what role mental toughness plays in and i think it's the first time really that we've put a team into any tournament a men's team or you know a male team that the expectation was we were going to be in a in a final in a real match right Going into it after the draw, the expectation, at least for me and most people I talked to, was that we were going to be in a one and done, unless we somehow surprised Mexico, which no one really believed no, would yeah. happen. But we were supposed to be in a one and done in this tournament. Either so, the second or third spot. We were going to oh, be yeah. with Honduras. Either one or the other, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But we should have been there, right? And by, you know, I mean, by, you know, obviously we don't see the other young players from other countries playing all the time, but... This is a, a side that we've been watching for a few years now, right? We've been watching these guys for four or five years. And it, I don't know, just from the priest, the exhibition games, the friendlies beforehand, it, it seemed like a gimme, a gimme, right? That we were going to be in the World Cup. So it's shocking. And I don't know. I know Bustos talked about, you know, the players not showing up. And I think like a role of that has to be that mentality, the mental toughness of being a Canadian soccer player or something. We're just expected to lose and they carried that, you know, into it. That and I was surprised that we didn't see uh, more attacking players on the pitch at once. I think we still have that uh, Tony Waiters 1986 mentality of if we never let anyone score, the worst we can do is draw. Yeah. And I think, like, you know, we're, we're terrible in like, Canada well, with, the, with creative players, right? We want kids that run, that, you know, pass, make one touch. Like, you hear it all the time on the side. Remember the U18 game we were at, at, at uh, Percy Perry? And it, the Caps were beating Portland. And we all started yelling out the yeah. parent things parents say, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, the middle! Right? We were all yeah. yelling those things. And that's Canadian <laughs> soccer. Yeah. And that's like how they play. Don't pass it back. Yeah. Right? Not up the middle. Yeah. All those sorts of things. And all of a sudden, this group of kids that we've watched play and develop and play amazing soccer... We're doing that Canada stuff. Don't pass it backwards. Don't keep, you know, move it, move it, move it, right? Don't try to beat anyone. Don't do anything creative, right? But we have have players now that can do those things. So I don't know. Did the coach tell them, you know, don't try to keep it simple, keep it too simple? Did he beat that into their head? Keep it simple, keep it simple to the point where no one wanted to do anything? Or did, you know, was there just a mental... uh, 
you know, not the mental toughness to go, okay, we're expected to go here. Let's go get there. Right. Yeah. I, I think, um, I don't know, uh, Robin Gale, right? Yeah. Rob Gale. Yeah. Rob Gale. I think he's English. I'm sure. So uh, Rob Gale, like I have a lot of respect for the guy because he, 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 he was with his team for years, like three years three or whatever years, it was. Yeah. So I think I, I they see the awesome value in that. And I, and I respect that and stuff. I just don't understand. And I didn't watch it. I didn't get to see every minute, maybe like you did, Samuel. But like, I, I don't understand how you, how so many creative and goal scoring players yeah. are, are unable to score against teams that we should, we should be scoring against. I know there's lots of excuses. You mentioned one, uh, another one, you know, the, the pitch, I don't know if you said it, the pitch was like awful and our guys are used to playing on like, you know, turf, perfect, turf, turf, that's yeah. really, perfect all the time. They're playing on this, this terrible grass pitch or whatever. But, um, but yeah, it was just like, it was like, how can they not be scoring more goals? Yeah. I understand giving up some and whatever. And there were some, our keepers made some errors and guys who are from, from our academy and stuff that we, you know, love and respect made some errors. And that's understandable. They're, they're players or people. They're going to make mistakes, but how we didn't outscore some of these teams and to yeah. me it's just mind-boggling with the talent that we had I know Hanson well, you were talking earlier well there was, Hansen, there was Hansen, talk that he was it wasn't 100% so he wasn't 100% so yeah. he couldn't play as much or whatever but then there was just times where you're like why are there two or three weapons sitting on the bench and like this is obviously not going to plan like yeah. and, and and then the, I think also the idea of like the it was almost like is there an expectation like this is going to be easier than it is because some games are like you know, there's a lot of games in a short period of time and stuff. And so you understand why maybe things are happening. But sometimes you're like, we do, we got, we need to get this done. We can't look to that last game or that second last game. We need, like, that player should be on, like, Busto should be on the pitch or whoever yeah. should be on the pitch, right? And, 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 and then who works well together? So we talked about the formation with one striker and then, you know, not having, like, say, Jordan Hamilton and Kyle, Kyle Laren together yeah. or, or other combinations up front together, you know? And so, it was it was frustrating and it was saddening to see this this group not perform to the best of their ability and I'm just hoping that I mean selfishly obviously as our our guys here I don't, maybe don't care as much as some of the others but as our guys come back here I hope that our coaches whether it's residency the first team uh, Allen USL Pro are able just to be able to lift them up again and 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 learn from what happened learn from hey bad things are going to happen or whatever or learn from hey this is our mentality here yeah. whatever the mentality you had there was off or or whatever and just continue to progress I hope this is not like a thing that. It's kind of uh, a turning point in a negative sense for some of these players. Well, Slamo, you were talking before we started recording this this part of the thing. You were talking about uh, the coaching when it came to the goalkeeping. It seemed like when they waited oh, for some Barclay, goalkeeper to make, yeah. a, make, make, a mistake, <laughs> make a mistake, and then they switched them out. And yeah. Does that even breed confidence? Are they like looking over their shoulder? A little bit I too don't much? know. I'd like to. I would like to have uh, next time you're talking to Marco, see what his take on that was. Maybe, you know, he made the mistake in the game against Haiti, and then he was on the bench the next game, and then Nolan played. But they did win the game. They did win. They won, but yeah. he he made the mistake, and he knew he made the mistake, and it's his weakness that hopefully Marius is going to be working on because it's the exact same. Goal goal he let in against TFC in the ACC right you know and we've we've seen those we've seen those goals in residency where he's gone up and not come down with balls right so it's something that he needs to work on for sure the goal against TFC which I think was a foul was a similar but that's that's sure it's a foul 
But, you know, put that guy in the freaking hospital, man. Yeah. Stick an elbow in his jaw and lay him out, right? You know, it's like you're the keeper, man, you know? So, you know, I, you know I love Marco. Like, you yeah. Know, so <laughs> he's a great keeper, but that's got to impact him a bit, too, that he's lost that spot. Unless it was, that's why I say it'd be interesting to talk to him. Unless it was predetermined. You're going to play this one, then yeah. we'll switch yeah. and give you a rest, blah, blah, blah. The funny thing is, is the, the expectations were high, like you were saying, especially because of that tournament they had, uh, I think yeah. it was October, November, something like that. I can't remember exactly what month, but, um, it was the, I think it was a U21 or U22 side, um, where they went over to, they drew England, uh, and then they beat Russia and they beat USA. And I think that really raised expectations for this, uh, men's under 20. Sure, it wasn't all the same players, but there were, there was a similar type of squad that they were going to have there. Well, and plus we've seen them, like I said, we've seen them for three or four years and they've, they're a quality side, right? Mm-hmm. Like there was no reason to think that this isn't a top three team in this grouping, right? You know? This grouping, let alone CONCACAF period. Yeah, CONCACAF period, seriously, yeah. right? Like I, I would expect, you know, I expected this team to be able to beat the U.S., you know, based on what I'd seen from U.S. players, because obviously we're more familiar with the U.S. players and the Canadian players than we are with Honduran players or whatever. But, you know, side by side, I would expect this team to beat the U.S. team. And and they couldn't even beat Cuba. Mm-hmm. Shocking. Well, uh, the, well, especially, yeah, some of those losses, like the teams that just got, it was Cuba, right? It got smashed earlier. Yeah. It was just like that. Yeah. And I think that that's the one game I missed. Yeah, but, and that's the game that's where I think cool. people were like, "Oh yeah, obviously we're gonna be cute, but they got smash eight nil or whatever." So like, it's just that last game, and I think that's maybe maybe that's where part of the mentality broke down. Yeah, yeah. Another uh, a bit of sad news, uh, especially if you're living on the island this week, uh, was the folding of the Victoria Highlanders. They're obviously the the expenses were too much. They you know they were losing money. I, w- I want to ask you first, Lambo. You come from Thunder Bay, uh, where the Thunder Bay chill. chill. Uh, wait, wait. You're the first one should, to mention that. Yeah, but it makes sense about, to mention. It's the same yeah. level. Kind should of we thing. talk about Tony Calistro's uh, <laughs> resignation? <laughs> the <laughs> longest-serving <laughs> coach in the <laughs> history of Canadian did soccer. Did he tell you first? <laughs> he did. He sent me a text and said, "I just want to pass it by you. You know, if if uh, what do you think?" I said, well, Tony, you know, if that's what you feel, you know, then I think that's the right move. <laughs> well, that's not the knowledge I was asking you about. But coming from Thunder Bay, and it's been a pretty successful team in, in the it's U.S. the most successful team in North America, there you let's go. face it. So what, what do you think went wrong with the Highlanders compared to this? Were they just not able to get the community behind the team? Or coming from, obviously, you're uh, living well, on the Vancouver, not in yeah, on the Yeah, for Thunder Bay's uh, sport town, yeah. right? I mean... You know, it's so it's always got that going for it. The thing, the drawback to that is the distance, which is similar to Victoria, not so much geographical by the uh, crow flies distance, but they have to take a boat ferry every road trip. Right? Yeah. And you know, people who may be listening in other provinces, you know, a ferry is not a cheap expenditure in BC, right? So, because we talked about it at a different time, we talked about Kitsap because they also ferry everywhere. Mm. But Washington has, you know, reasonable uh, fees, so it's a bit different. And, and not only that, but if, are, if, yeah, the cost is too much. It's too much, and then yeah. you got the uh, with Calgary coming in as a PDL team as well. They were gonna have to fly it over to there too. Yeah, you know? and that's gonna be interesting to see how Calgary handles this and. How they're able to fly out to Washington and Washington teams are able to fly yeah, out there. Yeah, Calgary won't last neither, right? Yeah. I, I it's going to be tough to yeah. see. 
They, yeah, they, I just can't see that happening. If if they like Michael was talking about, they come up with uh, when when these tweets were coming out. Michael was talking about BC might do a, a League One like Ontario. Yeah. That's where you might see where Victoria might come back, or even a Calgary team might play in that BC League, even though they're from Calgary. Yeah, because it's not too bad of a road trip then. And, and Thunder Bay, the way it works, you know, because playing there, you know, is you play two games, you know, Saturday, Sunday in Winnipeg and then Saturday, Sunday in Minneapolis or whatever, right? So that's how they make it work. So Calgary, maybe that's what they'll be doing. But, you know, they still have to have teams traveling to Calgary yeah, as exactly. well. And teams will complain about that. And I'm that sure time. Calgary probably has to foot some of the bill. I'm, yeah. I'm assuming that. I don't uh, know. The, well, as a way to get into the league, maybe they had to make some kind of agreement. Because you got the residency teams who have to sometimes travel to yeah. Bellingham to play some of the American teams. Uh, Zach, you, uh, what do you think about this? Maybe coming from a supporters' standpoint, the Highlanders, uh, yeah, quite a bit. The, Lake, the Lakeside Boys, yeah, um, there's some nice guys in Lakeside Boys, um, and I feel really bad for them because yeah. even though they're not a, there's not a huge group of them. I know this has hit them pretty hard, and they're pretty. They, I think devastated by it. I mean, you, it, it's 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 frustrating. It's sad, but you. I mean, you also understand where you had this benefactor who was putting in money and, yeah. and knowing that he wasn't going to see return on his investment and who was seeking external, was seeking uh, other people to, you know, put, uh, bring in flux of cash to the club and stuff. And that didn't work. One of the things I heard, I don't know, this, I forget who I heard this from, and I don't know if this is true at all, but like, but they wanted, uh, or one of the things that hurt them was that they were, you know, shut out from going USL Pro themselves by the CSA. Yeah. And so, like, the, how big of a role did that play on thing? I think on the, for the, these other people who are going to bring an influx of cash into the club. And so, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult situation. You, you got to think that something will return in the future. Like you guys are talking about, there's a BC thing or whatever. I, I, I wouldn't, I don't think this would work, but there, you know, there's even, I've heard a few people say, well, couldn't Whitecaps have C2? Be, be based in Victoria, which doesn't help with logistical. The so well, yeah, logistical if you think UBC's far, the, the no, Victoria's no. kind of far. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, but I mean, just in terms of like, it would be a, you know, it's not that far away, and like you have you know the, the front office has partners who. Yeah, the but, thing with having the caps too here though is it builds that uh, you can train together. So yeah, it, no. you can train together, but it builds that excitement amongst like the whole club yes, is here, totally, right? Yeah. Well, know? maybe they could go over for a game or two there. Maybe. Yeah, but that's the problem though. Like people will come out for those kinds of things, right? Like, you look. I don't know how many people get the when the caps play the Vikes. And there was a pretty good crowd last time. Yeah, so they're going there in two weeks. There'll, there'll be a crowd there for that. You know, Rangers came and they sold out. You know that little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to go over to see Kenny and stuff. You know, so I could say goodbye to Kenny and whatever. But like. It, you you need more people who just want to get behind it, right? Like yeah. it's the same thing with our what what WFC two needs here, and it's the same thing you could say. Well, our first team is still fighting for in in in, Van, in the Vancouver uh, community. So that's our podcast for this week. Um, episode ninety three is in the books. Before we go, uh, where can we guys uh, find you online? Uh, you can find me on in the Twitterverse at Zachary Am. And the movement is Curva Collective. And you can find that on Facebook too. The Curva sure. Collective. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Slamo. I'm on Twitter at Slamo, uh, three S's, S S S L A M O. I thought it was three A's. Oh, well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find me at uh, Whitecaps Beat. And you could find uh, the writing, usually of Michael's, on CanadianSoccerNews.com, AFTN. 
And he's obviously writing for MLS too. I might as well give him a plug there while he's enjoying himself in London. Once again, that's all for us this week. Thanks for listening. And in memory of Michael McCall, Mon the Caps. When you're listening in some far-flung corner of the globe to the world service of a Saturday afternoon, crackly reception, interference, cosy, marvellous. Somehow comforting, isn't it? You know, legendary names, fathers and sons on the terraces, cheesy peas at half-time, pipe for dad, mum's at home making the tea. Oh, everything's all right with the world, isn't it? Saturday afternoon is football. Hmm? Yeah, but-